off top, did you know that cauliflower, cabbage, kale, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts are all the same plant, just selectively bred to enhance different characteristics? Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, welcome to the Dominique Fox River Show. Today, I'm joined not only by my great co-host, Mr. Charlie Kravitz, but we are joined from Germany by <laughs> um, Dolphins writer uh, and friend of the show, Marcel Louis Jacques. What up? Nice sweatshirt. Appreciate that. Guten Tag from Frankfurt, Deutschland. Uh, that's the extent of German I know, by the way. <laughs> Don't expect nothing else. That's all I got, man. It took me all week to learn that. No, this is uh, the official NFL collaboration with this, I think, German brand called Lobster and, and Lemonade. They've got like a whole line of it at the store across the street, like Dolphins, Chiefs, uh, Patriots, and for some reason, Panthers. Uh, are you guys, I don't know how they snuck in there. Are you guys in like an NFL bubble or are you kind of, because you know how when the NFL, when the Super Bowl descends on a location, it no longer feels like the spirit of whatever place you're in, it, except for New York. The one time the Super Bowl was in New York, I was like, oh, well, it's just another crazy thing <laughs> happening in New York. But every other time you go to the Pro Bowl or a Super Bowl in any other city, it feels like you are like in this secluded little place that is actually NFL. How does it feel in, in Frankfurt right now? Uh, so far, it's still pretty early. Okay. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's Thursday night right now. So I don't think everything is set up yet. Uh, you Throughout the town, though, like you'll see they've got the banners talking about the Frankfurt games. They've got, I can tell the Fan Fest Center, the Fan Experience Center is being built. Uh, I saw it being built yesterday morning. I didn't stop by it today. But, uh, you know, there's some, some quarterback challenge also <laughs> built near the Galleria out here just a couple blocks away. So, like, it's trying. I want the city though. I want live footage of yeah. the, the fan challenge because I, I've long held this when I started to be around a bunch of international students, I realized that throwing is a distinctly like American thing. And I didn't realize that. Like we all grow up watching games where, where people throw and playing games where people throw from like football. I mean, even basketball is like a an upper body kind of exercise to baseball, obviously. But when I had a bunch of like international friends, I try to see like great athletes, phenomenal soccer players. I throw them something and they just look so confused and throw it back. So I, I, this is just my European bias. I need a video camera on the fan zone. I just want to watch these guys go up there and try to throw. It makes me happy. That's probably how they think yeah. about us kicking when they are very, <laughs> they're very confused while we're impressed by a 60 yard field goal. That's, that's fair. That's fair. And I know that they, if it was a kicking competition, like that's how you play to your audience. You set up a little field goal, yeah. field goal uprights, and then tell them to hit that. Don't tell them to throw Ooh. the ball because this is going to be hilarity will ensue. Honestly. I might go in there in disguise. Like I might get like a <laughs> like a leather jacket and like a scarf or you something could, just you to could, look European. You could, win, you could win a throwing contest easily. <laughs> you might get someone signed if there's a kicking competition. Me. Yeah, I, I feel like we probably could. Um, all right, so Charlie, you want to run through? Well, at some point we'll get to uh, the biggest game, and we're we're lucky to have Marcel because yeah. two of the biggest games this weekend involve the two teams that he has covered most recently, the Bills and the Dolphins. But we're gonna do a little debatable style game. So Charlie, yeah, please take it over. Re take, re take take us back yeah. to um, we split this game if then, and it's basically we're doing some NFL Mad Libs. We've got an incredible slate of games this weekend. A lot of actual good teams which are few and far between in the NFL this year, facing off. And we're going to learn a lot. So this game, basically, 
I'll give you guys the hypothetical about each game. Each one of you will have a side, and it'll be if blank happens, then blank. And so we should start okay. with the Dolphins and the Chiefs. And I'm going to start with you, Marcel. Marcel, if the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, then blank. If the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, then I don't want to hear from Bills fans anymore about how they haven't beaten the team with a winning record. Look, if they have a legitimate argument, all right, the Dolphins are 6-2 and two right now. The only two games they played against a team with a winning record resulted in those two losses that we saw, and they're both by multiple scores. I understand the argument. This isn't college football. A win is a win. As, I was, as we saw last week, the Broncos just beat the Chiefs. We have seen the Giants put up, you know, take the Bills to the – to the brink we have seen upsets in the nfl like this is not the sec this ain't vanderbilt and alabama like these are hey. professional teams as you know what better than anybody in this room right now oh, yeah vandy face <laughs> it's so, the, the winning record argument like i don't want to hear it so many times but like I, I do understand to an extent that when you have these tough games when you play the bills twice we play the eagles the chiefs the cowboys the ravens like you're going to have to beat one of those teams in order to inspire confidence in a fan base in the rest of the NFL that you are able to compete come playoff time. Win is a win. That gets you to the playoffs. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when the competition raises, that's when people start to look at you as whether or not you are a contender. So if they beat the Chiefs, I don't want to hear anymore about the Dolphins, you know, resume. Think, are they a contender? Are they not? I think they are. Yeah, I think that that they probably are a contender right now. But I also think that there's something to be said for what it means to them to knock off one of these big teams. I think mm -hmm. it matters to them also getting to a place where they believe that they belong. I think they think they belong, but you don't know that you do until you beat somebody that you know is a championship contender. But I actually think that there should be probably more questions about or just as many questions about what's happening uh, for the Chiefs than there than there is for uh, the Dolphins because the Chiefs haven't looked like the Chiefs that we all have come to know and expect. And I think we all kind of hand wave it away because they're the Chiefs, which they, they've earned that. But why I think this is a little different is because what we expect it to be the problem is the problem. Right. And it's the problem every time they struggle. It's the same thing. It's like, who else they got other than Kelsey? Normally when they have these like midseason mistakes or drop a game here or there, it's like a fluke. And they had lost to the to the um, Lions early in the season. We're like, all right, it's week one. Kelsey's not there. Jones is not there. Okay. Uh, but the receivers were bad. <laughs> and then they lose again. You know what? The receivers are bad. So, like, I think uh, in order to answer the question that Charlie, I know, is going to ask, if the Chiefs, Chiefs beat the Dolphins. Thank you. Yeah, then I know that we will probably say that the receivers are not a problem. But yeah. I don't know that I would feel that the receivers are not a problem. I need more. While while. The Chiefs and Mahomes have built up a lot of credibility for me. This batch of receivers has not. And that is a big thing hanging over that team. I think if they lose, it's that's going to be the reason why. And how much bigger will that feel with Tyreek on the other sideline? The guy that they traded away. And not just not to, you know, re-adjudicate the trade over and over and over again, but you traded away the best receiver in the NFL entering his prime. You won a Super Bowl, but still, it's someone who completely changes an offense. If you have... Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on a field with Patrick Mahomes, you feel you can win any game. And seeing him if he goes off for, I don't know, 150 in a touchdown like he does every single week, that has to sting extra. It just kind of, it, it, it's puzzling, right? Because the trade deadline just passed, obviously. I'm curious why they didn't make a move. And it was to say they didn't try, but, you know, receivers who are in situations where 
you know, maybe somebody got to get them out of there. You know, even as from like a Hollywood Brown in Arizona to Devontae Adams in Las Vegas. And I know what you're going to think, like, why would the Raiders trade Devontae Adams within the division? Mark Davis just pulled the plug on that whole operation. <laughs> he seems to realize that they're not close to contending. So by the time you are close to contending, Devontae Adams will probably no longer be in his prime and therefore a threat. If you could get good compensation, like, why would you... I, I don't know. I don't know. But you, you're you're right. Like, they're the top receivers right now. Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Toney, uh, McCall Hardman. Yeah, these names are not striking no fear in my heart. Yeah. So, it's uh, Travis Kelsey is still one of the premier weapons in the NFL. But, you know, it, it's kind of come to a point where, you know, if Mahomes isn't damn near perfect, if Kelsey is not blowing up, so if Taylor Swift is not in the audience <laughs> – then this team is probably no, going to No, not you too. Don't don't you buy into this too. Don't do it. Fight the tailorization of this league. Um, I would say I don't want to re-adjudicate the trade, but it's hard to argue against the decision they made, in my view, not only because they won a Super Bowl, Crossing but because yeah. the point is we got one guy that is like a different level of special. And the reason why they lost was because that guy got hit too much. And the one thing you can't have happen is – he get hurt. You got to protect him. And that seemed like the decision that they made. So speaking of quarterbacks getting hit too much, Marcel, the offensive line for the Dolphins hasn't been great this entire season, but they've been getting the ball out so quickly. They got even more beat up last week. Is there concern that if the Chiefs were to win this game, it's going to be because they're able to hit Tua more than he's been hit a lot this season? Because this Chiefs defense is by far and away the best unit that has been opposite Mahomes in his career so far. Yeah, so if uh, if there's a if there's an area of that defense that I think the Dolphins are inherently concerned about, it is that big red person, that big red mass wearing number ninety five. That's Chris Jones. He can provide so much pressure on the interior of the line of scrimmage that if the Dolphins aren't right, and that's where they've been weak when they've been weak this season, like that's where they've been getting beat. Their problem there is they just lost Isaiah Wynn, likely for the season. He's on injured reserve with a quad injury. Rob Hunt, right guard has not practiced all week. He's got a hamstring injury. He's been called day-to-day. And they think Connor Williams is ready to play the starting center. Uh, but he's been dealing with the groin injury. He's missed the past three games. The uh, you know the the thought process is he's ready to play on Sunday. He's practiced all, all week. But that's a banged-up interior of your offensive line, especially when you're going up against somebody like, like Chris Jones. He can make Ooh. life very difficult for Tua. And as we've seen, we saw it against the, the Eagles. We saw against the Buffalo Bills there in, in week four. When he is facing pressure up the middle like that, he struggles to be efficient, it, as most quarterbacks would. So it, it disrupts the timing of this entire offense. That has to be priority number one for the Dolphins, though, is making sure that 95 does not make as big of an impact on the game as he could. That, and the interesting thing about the way that they've been playing all year is they've been strategizing all year offensively as if they can't block anybody, as if they're going up against the Hall of Fame offensive line or defensive line every week. And then part of that is because Tua can't – like, we are concerned. If Tua gets another concussion, it could end his season and – End his career. Maybe it could end his yeah. career. So, like, part of that exists, and so that's a – I've been talking about this a lot and how I think it's interesting that that necessity precipitated them 
creating new ways to play offense, but it also is like prepared them for games like this and where offensive line injuries matter a lot in the history of football. It feels like it matters less to this team because they are finding ways around relying on those guys. So I, I don't know that I care that much, honestly. The, the thing is, I think we might get a narrative if like if the Chiefs defense beats up that Dolphins offense, the narrative might not be that yeah. the Dolphins can't win big games they can't handle physicality because it's like, the losses that they have, they flunk the tests against the Bills and the Eagles, and those are defenses that really want to hit you. That is, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head there, man. That is, the, those are the games, these are the games that they've typically struggled with since I've covered this team. This is my third season on the beat, and, you know, this is not really a team, and forget the first season I covered, it was just a, a totally different roster right now. Past two years, this team has been predicated, predicated on speed and timing and rhythm, not necessarily like, I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to out-muscle you. I'm going to out-will you. Like, they have some guys. They got dogs on this team, but that is not the identity of this team. Like, you don't associate physicality with the Dolphins like you do with the Eagles, with the Niners, with the Bills, you know, with, with teams like that, with the Cowboys, with teams like who play that kind of brawling style. And that's not necessarily a knock against the Dolphins. They've won a lot of games doing what they've been doing. They lead the league in offense. So clearly, they're doing something right. But that is kind of the running theme. So when people say, oh, they can't play winning teams, they can't win against winning teams, so that's not really, that's not the problem as much as it is they can't complete, they are competing against physical teams. This is interesting because so, yeah, the, the conversation around teams like this that are high-powered offenses is always a uh, assumption that they are soft, which I don't think it's completely fair. It's the Aqua but jerseys. I think, yeah, that doesn't help either in being in Miami in general. Um, <laughs> but I think the point that you're making, Marcel, is that the games are physical games that they have trouble with, which is different than being soft. Right. The idea isn't that they're soft. So the thing that, that gives me confidence is the way that they play Ken win in this league. We've seen it win before. It's not like when the Warriors started shooting and everyone's like, you can't win a jump shot. And they're like, oh, well, I guess you can if you have this player. We've seen over the history that win. But the problem with this physicality thing is it's not about a mentality as much as we want to think it is or as much we talk about it is. It's about guys. And if your offensive line is, like, injured and also not that strong to start with, I don't give a how crazy they are. I don't give a They're all tough as they just not strong enough or skilled enough to beat up the guys across from them. And really, nobody really is when it comes to playing against the Eagles or teams like that or Chris Jones. So, like, it's it, I think it's the connection with them being fast and explosive on offensive. It makes people think that they're soft. I don't think they're soft. They just get out physical sometimes, yeah. which, like, if you have ever been a little brother, sometimes you just get out physical. Yeah, well, it's a little bit weird, too, because it's a, it's a team that can run the ball like right. anyone in the NFL, like, unlike anyone, better in certain ways. But when you think of a team that's going to be able to rip off a ton of yards on the ground, you think of them as beating the out of the opposition. And that's not the case with the way that they run the ball and the way that they use motion, the way they get horizontal. Yeah, and, you know, the where else that, that, that physicality comes into play it just disrupts the timing. Like right. I said before, this offense is predicated on timing. There's a reason why Tua does ridiculous things like turn his back to a defense mm -hmm. on a play action and throw the ball to a spot in triple coverage and hit his man in the chest plate. Like that is, <laughs> if that is just inherent trust yeah. in the rhythm and timing of your offense. And when you get hit in the mouth, when you get jammed at the line of the scrimmage, when you get, when you lose your block up front, it disrupts that timing ever so much. And Tua's not, he can do it. He's done it a little more this year, but it's not really his game 
to be, you know, Mahomes, to be scrambling outside the pocket and throwing across his body on the run and this and that. Done it a handful of times, but that's also what's gotten him in trouble and it's what got him hurt last year. So they're trying to keep him in the pocket. They're trying to keep him making quick reads. And, you know, he takes some criticism about being a one-read quarterback. But if your first read is open, what are you going to do? You get, uh, you know, uh, he, you know, he can't listen to that. Four two five seven in in you know. He got he got he got to keep he got to keep working fast, just like we got to keep working fast, Charlie. Next topic. All right, next one, um, Marcel. If the Seahawks beat the Ravens, then blank. If the Seahawks beat the Ravens, I am willing to throw them in that conversation as best team in the NFC. Right, I think. Going into the season, it was kind of seen as a two, maybe two and a half horse race between Philadelphia and uh, San Francisco with Dallas knocking right on the door if they weren't already in that conversation. I think all of those teams have looked somewhat human. I know that Philadelphia is seven and one, but obviously the loss to the Jets, uh, Washington took them down to the wire just last week. Uh, it, it hasn't looked like that stadium machine despite the winning record. And they're about to hit a part of their schedule that is going to put some hair on their chest. Is about to really tell us what kind of team this is. They've got the Niners, they've got the Bills, they got the Cowboys, they play the Seahawks as well. Like there's a lot going on that's gonna really teach us about the Eagles. But you know, if the Seahawks are able to beat the Ravens, who are in the conversation for best team in the AFC, I think that they've done enough. I've seen enough. I'm a believer that this Pete Carroll squad post Russell Wilson has now officially made the best trade in NFL history. Cause not only did you cut ties with the aging quarterback. <laughs> But you have turned this team into a real contender. I love a good chess hair game. And I, <laughs> I will say the thing about that, I agree with you, is that's going to be the result. But I also think that the Ravens are prone to, like, lay an egg on occasion. And they could go out there and lay an egg. And it does not necessarily mean the Seahawks are all that great. But if they beat the, the Ravens, who we think are the best in the AFC right now, or at least are up there with the Jags and uh, the Bengals that are playing the best right at this moment. Um, I think that's fair. But if we go to the other side, if the Ravens beat the Seahawks, I would say that um, Lamar should be front runner for MVP because he's going to go off. Hmm. I think also more importantly, I would say this Ravens defense is for real. Because they've been really ding, good ding, ding. so far yep. this season. But if you look back at what they've gone up against it hasn't been a murderer's row of great skill players or quarterbacks the Seahawks while they're not the best offense in football by any stretch they got weapons and they got ways to attack you on the ground and through the air and they are going to test any defense that they play against and we've been talking about the Ravens a lot of reasons why people believe the Ravens and I'm one of the people who says right now the Ravens are the best team in the AFC it's because their defense is much better than I expected and the offense has come around sooner than I expected. I think the offense is proven enough to me. The defense, it feels unfair, but I, I think they haven't been. I mean, because like the by most mm. measures, you made a face like it shouldn't feel unfair. Well, they're having like the best eight game stretch they've had right. in years. That's why it feels yeah. unfair yeah. for me to then uh, second guess their defense. And even by EPA, by by stats that take into account strength of opponent, they are still up there really high. But I still want to see him do it against a healthy Joe Burrow, which is like their best offensive, the best offense they've seen so far. So this is actually what I think is so, so interesting about this game because uh, the Seahawks offensive line has been beat up a lot this year and people have been able to pressure Geno Smith. And that offense last year was predicated off of a ton of deep shots to DK Metcalf. 
which he has not gotten this year. And Tyler Lockett's still been Tyler Lockett. They haven't been able to run the ball quite as effectively with Kenneth Walker or get JSN as involved as we thought he might be. So I'm wondering if what you guys think is more likely. The Ravens defense beats up on the Seahawks offense or the Seahawks offense gets going with the vertical passing game. I'd say the Ravens defense. What do you think, Marcel? Yeah, I think so too. And like, I like what I'm seeing from Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think it's back-to-back games mm-hmm. with a touchdown. He's starting to come around, maybe break through that rookie wall. But I think it's far more likely that a breakout comes against a team like the Rams, the Cardinals, the just like a middle to bad team, not one of the best defenses in the NFL. This is typically not when this is not typically when breakouts occur is when you're facing your toughest opponent. And where and where the Seahawks are weak is where the Ravens have been strong this year. Like the Seahawks are having issues with protection. The Ravens have the best run of sacks that they've ever yeah. had in their history. So I know sacks are not like necessarily indicative of how good you are up front. And it's a lot of, about quarterback decision making, but you still got to get back there. And they've been getting back there and there's no reason to believe the Seahawks are going to stop them from doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a tough game for Jamal Adams being Blitz Boy because you don't want to Blitz Lamar. <laughs> yeah, he's been he's punishing been... people this year uh, um, when they Blitz. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, next game. Sunday night football, we've got Bengals and Bills. Marcel, if the Bengals beat the Bills, then blank. If the, if the Bengals beat the Bills, two things. One, I am ready to call the Bengals turnaround from this early season struggle completely resolved, and they are right back in the hunt. And two, I am ready to call the Bills a wild card team, not an AFC East Oof. contender. I think the bit like they're I think the defense is strong. They trade for Rizul Douglas and that helps alleviate their problem at cornerback right now. You know, Kyrie Elam out did just get put on an injured reserve, but it's not like he was playing anyways. No. That's not my biggest issue with this team. It's losing Matt Milano in the middle of the field. I yeah. think he is maybe the best linebacker in the NFL that casual fans don't necessarily talk about. He's starting to get known more and more over the past couple of years. But this man can play. He's a lead against the, the run. He can cover. He can take the ball away. Like He does everything for that defense and losing him kind of loses a little bit of that, a little bit of that toughness, a little bit of that edge on that side of the ball. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, the Bengals, it's a team that couple or just last year whooped up on the Bills in the yeah. playoffs to knock them out and send them packing. Uh, they are hitting their stride. Joe Burrow looks completely healthy. I think they win this game. 
especially with the emotion and everything that's coming into it from both sides. They win this game. I'm ready to call them back. They are back in that hunt in the AFC North and therefore the AFC. I like what you did there because I was tiptoeing around this. <laughs> I wanted to say that the Bills would miss the playoffs if they lost this game. But you said they would be a wild card team, but I couldn't get myself around to saying that they would be any worse than 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, which I think gets you into the wild card. This team is in That's trouble. Yeah, and I think uh the one thing that I would say if the Bills win this game is I know I just said Lamar should be the front runner MVP. No, I take it back. Give Josh Allen MVP. Man's been balling and they ain't doing nothing around him. It's him, Stefan Diggs are the only like consistent uh, entities on this team. And he's putting up top of the league type of numbers. It's hard to argue by the truest sense of the, the awards title that anybody is more valuable to their team right now. If you take, uh, any of these other quarterbacks off their team, I feel like with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, maybe, which he's not even playing great, but their defense is really good. I like that team goes from a playoff team to we looking at Caleb in the draft. We trying to uh, trying to get some private interviews with Drake May. So he's been special. If they are able to win this game, it's going to be all because he decided oh, yeah. that they were going to win this game. Yeah, if, if, they, if the Bills win this game, like I don't know if I have a, critical thought about them for right. the rest of the way. They proved everything wrong. I, I'll happily admit how wrong I am because it doesn't matter. You won't matter be wrong, though. You won't be wrong. On their defense. It doesn't, because it won't matter who's missing on <laughs> That's defense. Who's going to have 17, apparently. That's you don't fair. everything you play. That's fair. Like, he's really that dude. When he, when he is on, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When he is on, you know those games. We've all seen those games. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a better player in the NFL than Josh Allen. Player, it doesn't matter the position. I don't care. Like he can outrun your defensive end. He can outrun your, the Miles Garrett's and Nick Bosa's of the league. He can he can throw the ball past oh, the, the can, Trevon Diggs, the, the can, Jair uh, Alexander's. He his. can talk trash with the best cornerbacks in the league. Also, I appreciate that he'd be popping all game long. Well, it's one of the crazy things with Josh Allen is that you can't sack him. Like they're second in the NFL in sack rate, and that just makes it. It's like all right, you pressure him. Well, he's first against pressure in QBR. You pressure him. Well, he's first against pressure in passing touchdowns. You can't bring him down. He's extending plays and completely covering up the warts on the rest of that offense. I didn't have us going into Josh Allen more than how impressive Joe Burrow was last week because <laughs> his team's actually good and they actually have a chance uh, at the Super Bowl, which I don't realistically think that the Bills do anymore. Which I know Bills fans are gonna be upset when they hear this, but I think that the ones who are honest mm -hmm. are like. Yeah, we gonna have they gonna have to go on like a, a New York Giants style run from the wild card because they just aren't as good as they were as they have been in recent yeah. history. Well, and it's tough. They still have the Eagles. They still have the Cowboys on their schedule. Like this is not uh, this this then and, and of course the Bengals right here. Like this is not over, man. This 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 yeah. season, this schedule, this hard slate is nowhere near over. There's no hope that they're going to get back Matt Milano. It's like the big thing. Like, that's with injuries. It's like, oh, we'll get them back a week 10. Nope. Yep. They've got the uh, Broncos and the Jets, but then it's Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers. Tough run. Tough four games. I mean, Chargers, I mean, who yeah, knows what uh, they'll yeah. be doing by then. Hopefully right. they'll have a new coach. Um, <laughs> it might be, when is that? The Chargers game is in December. That's about, <laughs> that's that time of year, boy. That's, <laughs> that's that, uh, that, that procrastination time of year. They said, the test is yeah. <laughs> we, we need yeah. to end up at eight and nine. It's, uh, it's our duty. That's their duty as uh, the Chargers in NFL. All right, what's next? All right, Chargers. last one. 
Battle in the NFC East. Marcel, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles, then blank. Then we need to start putting some respect on Dallas's name. Everybody's favorite punching bag. Everybody loves to clown the Cowboys, man. I am engaged to one of them, and it, I know it eats at her soul every single time she gets jabbed at and jawed at in public on the plane at work. We need to respect this team and its fan base because this is a real live contender for maybe the first time in the past 20 years. This ain't no, you know, we getting everybody, we winning all the time. This is not them gassing their team up. Right. This is a team that lost its second most valuable player on the defensive side of the ball in Trayvon Diggs and then didn't miss a beat. Took one on the chin against the San Francisco 49ers and kept right back going. So, no, if they beat the Eagles, I don't care how, you know, vulnerable the Eagles have looked over the past three, four weeks. They beat the Eagles. We need to start talking about the Cowboys a little different. Yeah, I think the Eagles, Eagles have probably been the best consistently best team in football and they've been inconsistent so this is a real measuring stick for the Cowboys if they win I think you're right about all those things that you can say however if they lose we're gonna say the same thing we've been saying we're gonna say the same thing we've been saying is that they shrivel up in these big moments yeah. and more importantly uh or not more importantly but it comes down to Dak and the thing is Dak's ball the last couple of weeks no one cares you, we know you're good. He put this team like he's played as well, well as. Uh, oh, go ahead. I, I think that's like a slight oversimplification because to start this year, they had a much less explosive offense. They went from top of the league in the red zone to bottom of the league in the red zone. And Dak in the last couple of weeks has been a much more explosive player. He's been moving better. The depth of target to CD Lamb has been completely different. And they're still not getting anything out of the running game with Tony Pollard. So if he goes and puts it on the Eagles, I actually think like. That would change a lot of the perceptions. Like this is what we've we've talked about this on this show a few times that he needs to perform in the big games, in the playoff games, and this is like this is a a big one. Yeah, no, I, I guess I, you misunderstood yeah. me. I think that 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 matters. If they lose, we're going to listen to the same stuff. Yeah, and it's all going to get pinned on Dak, no matter what the who we can actually blame. But part of it is because these last couple of weeks we're talking about how they're back and they're good again. You watch those games; it's Dak making those plays. It's uh, and the offense is working better under structure, but it's also deck breaking structure yeah. and finding, uh, buying more time behind offensive line. That's not great. That's going to go up against a defensive line. That is great. It's him kind of doing the special things. So in this game, he's going to have to do a lot more of those special things, but if they lose, he's going to have to throw four or five touchdowns for people not to, to rain down on him again. And that's what it comes down to. And it, isn't it a little, isn't it a little ironic because it wasn't the whole point of Mike McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. McCarthy, That's McCarthy, I, I always get him confused with the agent now, and I, I paid attention to the bit on Twitter so long <laughs> that I actually can't tell the difference McCarthy. between McCarthy. McCarthy, that's what I thought. It, it was the whole reason behind McCarthy parting ways with Kellen Moore so that they can get back to running the ball more. Yeah, so now they, 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 get, they get Kellen Moore out, and they can't run the ball. That's right. And now it has to be that. So that has to be that kind of guy who can carry an offense. side. Uh, just don't. I think people really undervalued, and shout out to, again, my fiance Haley for, for putting this in my ear. I think people really undervalued what Ezekiel Elliott brought to this offense because between the 20s or, you know, inside the 20, that's his territory. That's where he was so elite. You know, double-digit touchdowns last year. Tony Pollard got the yards between the 20s, right. but inside the 20s, it was time for growing man work, and they don't have that back right now. Tony Pollard is not that kind of three-down back. He's not that, that feature guy. I think he operates better in a tandem. So, you know, it would have been, been nice – you know, for their run game, if they tried to make a move at running back, they tried to add another rusher at the deadline, but they're going to roll with what they got. Uh, the second worst McCarthyism in history is what 
<laughs> Mike McCarthy has done to this Dallas offense. Fortunately, Dak is there to save the day. But yeah, he really, you're right. It was turnovers last year. We're going to yeah. take the pressure off Dak so he doesn't turn the ball over so much. Uh, they're a few weeks in and they're like, bleep that, Dak, do something. Be an aggressive player. And the thing out, boy, they're finally remembering that Brandon Cooks plays for this team, oh, too. Yeah, yeah that, Brandon I, Cooks is a special you know, player. All this man does is get a thousand yard uh, seasons everywhere he goes. As long as he can stay healthy, I think he does change the dynamic of the defense because, as Charlie knows, I say all the time, a home run hitter, man, yes. that will break a defense. And we have to be concerned about how fast this man is going to get down the field on us. That makes every other concern secondary. If, um, if the Cowboys win this game, do you think they win the division? The Eagles' next six games are Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. Um, I find it hard to believe that the Eagles will, I mean, they have to play them again. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find it hard to believe that the Eagles will lose this division, but it's certainly possible. I think this is like the division with the longest history of new winners from year to year, like no back-to-back winners. So history would suggest that the Eagles are not going to win it again this year. But, uh, I got a hard time when I look at that offensive line and defensive line. That's what it comes. So this is... uh, one of my theories of football that I try to fall back on is the team that's going to win is the team with the better offensive line and the better defensive line, unless there's like a special circumstance, like there's a super player somewhere along there, along the line. And I would say, not just I would say, the numbers would support, your eyes would support, the Eagles are better across both lines significantly. Well, I, and well, I guess I can't say significantly with the defensive line because the Cowboys D-line is really good. Yeah. But the Eagles have the best offensive line in football. And they are capable of slowing down that Cowboys pass rush. And so then I look at the Cowboys and say, who's the guy that's just so great that he can under he can overcome these uh, deficiencies in in the uh, in line play? It has to be Dak Prescott, and I'm not sure that he is that good. But I mean, yeah. it's football any given Sunday, well, blah blah blah. But I still think the Eagles are a better team, whether they win or lose. It, it also could be that Jalen Hurts has a hurt knee. He had a hurt knee and he threw for four touchdowns yeah. at like 350 or something. So yeah. he's good. And A.J. Uh, Brown's I agree. nice. I, lo- I love that about the Eagles. They are built from – like their identity is built from the inside out. They are tough. They are physical. They will move you. I have seen it. I saw it on <laughs> Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago. They will physically impose their will across – you know, you know, over the course of the game. But it's not just that they're brawlers. They have elite-level skill players – Around them, they've got guys like DeAndre Swift who can average five yards, five and a half yards, whatever it is per carry. They've got A.J. Brown who's right next to Tyreek in that chase for 2,000 yards. Devontae Smith is in that damn good 1B as well. Dallas Goddard, you know, you've got a receiving tight end. That's not something a lot of teams have. They've got elite corners. They've got now an elite safety in Kevin Byard. That trade makes no sense. I, I forget who tweeted it out, but Tennessee, anybody in that city, if you see – a Philadelphia area code calling, don't pick up because they're going to play you. Don't pick up the phone anymore. Yeah, they got how, how they get Kevin by, but every they're built from the inside out with elite weapons around it. It's just, it's a hard team on paper to beat. It's a hard team to beat on the field as well. All right. Well, I appreciate you. You are not a hard guest to have. You got all the goods. We appreciate it. Now have some fun over there in Germany. I don't know what they do. You drink some beer, eat yeah. some brats. What else? Is, That's great. Yeah. I mean, those are the only things that are associated with Germany. All right. Have fun, Marcel Louis Jacques. Next up, Roses and Thorn. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right. Your favorite part of the show with my favorite person, Roses and Thorns. My wife, Ashley, is here. Um, how'd Halloween weekend go? Roses for Dominique. Oh. Because even though on Saturday, so Friday, y'all, I waited in line at Party City. You know what a Party City hot pre-Halloween line is like. I waited in line at Party City. I had to drive to the suburbs to get to Party City. Waited in line there for bald cap glue so that his Uncle Fester brown skin bald cap that brown skin bald cap, excuse me, that I specially ordered for him because it came with the white skin bald cap, which obviously didn't match, so that it would look nice on him. Did he use that glue that I waited in line for? I don't for? know how to use ball cap glue. No. I put no. on a ball cap. I put it on the, like a the monk's costume. But it's he fine. did it. That's, and I was, that's what I was going for. He wore it for all of seven minutes, which I appreciated. It's more than seven minutes. That's seven what I was going for. Was I was rose. going you for, for um, I appreciated that. urban monk was urban my look. Monk. Okay. It's a, a ball now cap that looks like a do that. Like We're confused, which it is. You didn't give me fat suit. How am I be faster with well, this felt so I body. say that even though we're wearing costumes of other people, we're still ourselves. Like Emerson, our daughter, was Wednesday. It's how we ended up with Adam's family. She really wanted to be Wednesday, which I think I said before. And her costume came with a long, like, fake silky hair, black wig, which luckily Declan told her was real human hair, which made her scared of it. It wasn't that wig. The whole costume cost nineteen ninety nine. dollars 99 And she wanted to, though. Other than her being scared of it being someone else's real hair and it being a little itchy, she wanted to wear it because she was like, oh, I have long, silky, long black braids. And I was like, mommy's just going to French braid your hair. Like, like you are your version of Wednesday. Like, you're not, your Emmy is Wednesday. You're not trying to look just like whoever plays Wednesday. So I wasn't trying to have you look just like the traditional Uncle Fester. You were sexy fit Uncle Fester. Thanks. um, With a bald skin bald head whatever it's called durag isn't that um, what halloween's about it's about yeah. doing a i mean at least for adults or adult women i guess more than men it's like just where somewhere you can get away with looking really sexy it's like you call it a costume. back in the day it was so i looked at the it's forecast not anymore. for me not oh, at my yeah, yeah. age I, at my not age it's us. not but back in, in the general. day i was when i looked at the halloween forecast my first thought was because it was like well until halloween itself it was really warm so over the weekend it was like 80 degrees in dc and i was like oh 
this would have been perfect for Halloween in college. Like I was out freezing in my little costumes from Victoria's Secret. And now my costume comes with a coat and long sleeves. Like I'm trying to cover up. So I was really annoyed because I was like, this is not perfect for my old age. Halloween I was, dressing. I, I appreciate, need cold weather for that. I appreciate the roses that you gave. However, you have another one though. I he was, also dressed up his kin for, well, just a sweatshirt, but he wore his Knuff sweatshirt for actual Halloween. So thank you. No, I thought that the rose I was going to get was going with the kids to get their vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> we we got vaccines in uh in under thirty minutes, which is I a came record. In, we had three kids needed flu shots. And they're all scared of they're needles. They're all so scared. Last time I took and this is your thorn. This is an old thorn, but my son needed a tetanus shot because he got injured on like a piece of metal in his tetanus. He had one, but apparently when they're after six years old and you have an injury, they'd rather just go important ahead and context. give you a new one. Yes, important to know everyone. So my son needed a tetan shot one day, and it was it happened on a Sunday night. So Monday, we wrap this little bit injury up. We send him to school, and Dominic normally leaves to travel Monday afternoon. So I'm like, he needs a tetan shot. I'm going to call his pediatrician. We're just going to have to bring him before you leave because you need to get this tetanus shot in him. And he was like, you can do it. He's fine. He's fine with shots. So I pick him up after school. Dominic is on the Excella to New York. And I pick him up for a 3 p.m. tetanus shot appointment. We were in her office till 4.05. There was no shot given. The shot was out. The shot was wasted because my well, son just would not take it. This time, we got three kids shots in less than 30 minutes. Yes. So let's celebrate <laughs> that. That we is true. We don't got to go back to these bad but, times. But is it a thorn, a rose, excuse me, that he came with me to take three children to the doctor? Like, no, that's not your rose. That can be a rose of our family that yeah, we were in and out. But that's not your rose. Like, it's no more on me than on you to take them to get flu shots. So, no, that is not his rose. But it did happen. It's a rose for our family, for our pediatrician, for us as a five-person unit. Yes. That despite their tears and fighting. And when I said that to the pediatrician and the receptionist, they laughed at me. They're like, oh, we don't schedule anyone after you guys on shot day. I mean, they have to be restrained, like all of them. Exactly. Which you weren't going to do. Rose me. Physical strength. (laughs) Only. Held them down. Okay, but it's not a rose for you that you took him. He's your child. Of course you would take him. Oh, holding him down, though. It's a whole nother rose. And I, Emmy sat on my lap and I held her. So we yeah, each get a rose she's for it. Sevens. I don't know. And I, all and you I, do is and get I roses. Have you ever vaccine. gotten a thorn? Like, yes. not, of course he you is, get roses. He, yes. What I'm thorn did saying, I give you? I don't know because it's not my show. Of course I'm on not. Here, so, I'm on yeah, here to give him roses and thorns. Rose. I just don't get why he would think that he should get a rose for the fact that he helped me get our children flu shots. You know who would have gotten a rose for that? A rose for everything that he does all the time, no matter what? You can't guess who was in town this weekend. I have another rose for you. Is I don't want you it. Look, I'm all rosed out. You keep, look, your, keep your funky <laughs> roses. I don't want your roses. No, keep here's them. my rose. Keep he looks your fu- no, seriously. Like keep your funky tr- rose. He looks so delicious. This like is not a, a real rose. This is just a this is just a setup. Turkey leg just a setup. From Disney World. Just a not setup. Not just any turkey this leg. Is a just turkey leg from Magic setup. Kingdom. Get to the point. Mixed with some pumpkin pie. And he looks delicious. The shoes are whipped cream on the bottom of the pumpkin pie, not on the top. And the rose is that. That's how Jalen Hurts looked this exactly. weekend when he That's was in really playing the Commanders. He looks so good. But it was almost like he was trying to dress like a fall treat. Like, he looked like a jar of apple butter with pinstripes on the bottom. But it looked phenomenal. And I he played appreciated well. it. He was awesome. And Four he touchdowns. played well. Four touchdowns. Did you watch the game? He beats your hometown team. You shouldn't be so happy. I don't care. <laughs> you didn't he watch can beat the, the commander. He had four touchdowns. Or do you even see what he has on because you didn't watch it. You should have seen him in that tunnel. Where did I see what he has on? You don't think that many of my friends, including my um, DM group that's labeled J-Bear Lovers, 
as well as other people DM me pictures of Jalen Hurts when he looks good. Where did I see it? <laughs> I was I knew it wasn't from <laughs> watching the game. I saw from many a source. Well, they don't show them in the tunnels at the game. Yeah, they do. Okay. Well, I mean, like before the games, they show people walking well, in. I wouldn't watch pregame coverage. I don't watch pregame. I watch during the game coverage. That's true. What was your favorite part of the game? My favorite part of the game was... One-handed <laughs> catch by A.J. Brown? Yeah, I saw that. That was really good. Nice. Or was and it Jalen Hurts threw it. The tush-push fumble? Or Whose tush was being pushed? Jalen's only tush. <laughs> oh, I wish it were me. <laughs> Never <laughs> wanted to be a football player more than now. I'm Give joking. Give it a shot. He That's was here. That's the only tush that I want to push. He was here. Oh, no, no, no. And I get to. You good. squeeze it. I, I'm fine with setting this precedent. Go ahead. You want me to go play football? No, go push Jalen Hurst's tush. Oh, no. He just wants that so that he can go push someone oh, no, else's tush. No, 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 no. I would never. <laughs> right into his F body. Fidel fidelity is what I stand for. <laughs> where I bank and how I what live my life. What was your favorite part of the game? Um, I think is they ran this little quirky spin off of the tush push at the end to um, DeAndre Swift. I mean, I had always assumed they did it last year and it didn't work. They had like a some sort of variation off of it since it gets a lot of attention the brotherly shove i knew that there was a spinoff of it and like i appreciate love. it yeah and i think in general it was nice to see the commanders stand up a little bit and fight they played the eagles well until they their last lost. game with and chase they, young i saw yes, got traded. they traded <laughs> away montez sweat also and montez sweat they're gone chase they're young's gone. a local boy i know well that's the only reason i know who he is because he's from here i did want to talk to you a little bit about the uh keith lee the uh mma fighter turn uh, I guess that's having a whole sports show talking about football, talking about MMA fighter. Yeah, I, he's not an MMA fighter anymore. He's, uh, I mean, I guess he's well, he's a food critic online. He's got a lot of attention because he went to Atlanta and he gave some not so great reviews to a couple of black restaurants. He's known mm -hmm. only for like critiquing black restaurants, I've heard and him. He's, he's like amplified a lot of. Yeah, he has like 14 million followers, and he can turn your restaurant from a failure to a success just by saying that the service was good and Vice the food was good. Too. Huh? Vice versa. Also. Yeah, I mean, I guess he has the. But ability doesn't he to only do say kind of nice or very yeah. true things? Like he's a very polite. Yeah, and he, I mean, he uses his family so that to pick up his food, so he doesn't get like special treatment. But he went to Atlanta, uh, and his service wasn't great, and uh, people are upset, or at least the restaurants were upset. They was it milk and honey had like Is a. Is it the same as the milk and honey chain here? I don't know, honestly, but they had like a sarcastic response. I doubt it. But they had a sarcastic response and act like they didn't They're know different. who he was. Um, and Candy Burris' restaurant, the, uh, I guess, reality show star, former R&B singer. I guess she's still an R&B singer. Her restaurant I got I love some Escape songs. Dominic hears them every night while I cook. Also, I I mean, I don't know. It's to me, like... So people are upset that he gave people well, bad reviews. No, I mean, They're people are on both sides. They're not happy that he's amplifying yeah, I the think black... That's restaurant industry. To I think some with. people, uh, some people from Atlanta are happy that he's amplifying how bad the service they believe is at Atlanta restaurants. And but I think generally, by and large, people accept that he's doing a job and it's fine. But I don't know. I guess uh, this brings me to the question about like obligation you feel like you have to like black owned businesses. As <laughs> someone who is a professional money spender, very good at it. You spend a lot of money, which I make this joke all the time that you're determined to give the white man all his money back. I try to give as much of it to the this mug right here. Well, it's by Wedgwood, which is just white, but it's a partnership with um, Sheila Bridges, a designer whose wallpaper is like covering a lot of our house and a lot of other black people's houses. Um, I've been recently we're redoing our house and what I wished like when we were redoing our house, I looked for black designers and black like contractors and I'm sure there are some but the ones that I end up going with aren't like um and I feel guilty about that but I'm unloading tons of new Estelle colored glass another beautiful 
like they make beautiful glasses, black business um, into our new project. Um, so yes, I do try to shop black when I can. Like I wear as many black. This is well, this is Nike, but it's a collaboration with a black um, with a black like Designer? influencer. Oh. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I had a black subcontractor in the house recently, and just the and it's not a race thing because there are white subcontractors who who have poor service too. I have some beef with You know it's a race somebody. thing when you say it's not a race thing. <laughs> I know, but I, th- I think unfortunately, though, we hold, when we're working with black businesses who probably don't have, some of whom don't have like the capital at to st- when they're first starting, right? Like they don't have some of the like system, systemically have been not denied, excuse me, some of the like avenues to be successful that non-black owned businesses have. You look at them and like, I don't want to say I'm holding... I mean, I do think that it, it, we'd be lying if we say that there aren't expectations that come with race when yeah. you go to certain places or when you deal with anybody. There are expectations that come with it that are based on stereotypes that probably are unfair stereotypes, but also somewhat based on your experience. So you're not supposed to do it, but it's, I mean, it's undeniably human nature. So I guess I was wondering, do you walk into these situations uh believing you have a responsibility to give a little bit more leeway or do you walk in these situations uh, kind of have an expectation that they will be twice as good. I don't walk in with an expectation that it's better. Oftentimes it is better, but then you do also notice when other aspects aren't, aren't as strong. And it's, and in most instances, they're both great. Like I feel like it's so true that often as black people and as women, like we have to work twice as hard and be better just to be put on the same playing field, just to get the startup capital to start a business. You've got to show that this is going to be a great business, right? Like, but Sometimes this just feels bad. And it's like it feels like no matter what, this is going to end in a in a very interesting place. Sometimes. Sometimes. You notice with any business, black or non-black owned, that the service isn't as good. And when it's a black owned business, I think it disappoints me more yeah. when it's not as good because it's like. Yeah, I think we, that's the like saddest part. It's have it's, to be better. It's generally about like, I think it's a general critique about being a minority in any situation is that you always feel like your behavior or your results are going to be tied to something that's not true. And I think you're making the point that, yeah, they're good business everywhere. They're bad business everywhere. But I do find myself when I am frequenting a black business and the service is bad, it's in my head that like, damn, it's a black business. I wish the service was good. Whereas I think the the numbers or the percentages of good service, the bad service across business owned by different races are probably pretty equal. There's just so but many like, more white yeah, businesses. And so, so all of ours have to be great. Yeah, and it, it, it sucks as, I mean, it's the general thing about being twice as good. It matters for uh, people and for businesses, but I'm glad that we support in some ways. I tried to get a black agent one time and it didn't work out. Didn't work out. It didn't work yeah. out. I have a black hairdresser. <laughs> Mailbag. Hey, Dominique. This is um, your friend, former co-host, <clears throat> brother, dude, Pablo. Um, I'm in an Uber. Roll the window up. Um, who amongst all of the people that we know would make the best? I say best. The best president of the United States. Um, <laughs> See I think it's you always. That has always been my choice, but who are you forming a super pack for? 
Uh, that's a weird question, Pablo. It's very weird, and he's weird doing it in the Uber, but whatever. All right, um, who amongst my friends would I say best president? Ashley. I was waiting. Like, I was sitting here like, ah, la di da di da um, Because I could get the best oh, team Oh, you're arguing me. that you are the I best. I mean, I just think he had a good answer. Like, okay. why wouldn't he choose me? I'm charismatic. I could get, like, I'm smart. I could get a good cabinet, you know? I think women, we should be president. Um, so I'm all for me. Okay. <laughs> I would look fly at like all my little presidential stuff. That is what it's always about, looking it fly. It is, honestly, though. Like, like I'm not lying. Like, unfortunately, I think the way you present yourself and like back to the black business thing, like how you present yourself and show up does matter and like how seriously people take you. I assume Pablo asked this question expecting me to pick someone who I Him? thought was like, um, really smart and really talented, but or I'm smart um, and really talented. Really, I'm, I'm not smart. Say, can I finish? No. Or or um, experienced or something. In actuality, yeah. I don't think it's a compliment. Saying that you would make the best president, or saying that anyone would make the best president, is a compliment. I don't necessarily think of the president as a role that is what we once thought of it as. Like you remember when we were kids, like you could be anything. You could be president. Certainly doesn't feel like being president. I'd rather is be a, Oprah. Yeah, and that that to Oprah, me it feels Oprah like Oprah would more be of a, the best president. No chance. She'd be better than me. I'm good. I have I voted interests like diverged that much. I would never vote for Oprah. No mm. thanks. All right, other mailbag questions. Here we go. My kids have terrible taste in music. Like the rappers they listen to can't rap. The R&B girls on their playlist can't sing. Won't name any names, and it's troubling. Am I mean for wanting them to listen to good music? Not at all. You're wanting to expose them to like good art. I mean, I think you you and it's uh, your car that they're riding in when the music is playing. Well, I don't think people have kids have to listen to music in cars anymore. Like they have access to a lot of other ways to listen to music. But True, I think but they you, listen to a lot of music in cars. You indoctrinate, indoctrinated our kids young with the type of music that you like, so they do like that music. Get uh, some speakers around your house. Sonos makes good ones. Like just portable we don't speakers. know. We don't know that they actually like good music. Whoever is saying this might be listening well, to bad music, and the kids is, might be into the good fine, music. That's fine. I mean, I agree that there's. The R&B that's coming out right now isn't the same as the R&B that we grew up on, assuming we're whatever age you are. If you're old enough to have children, the R&B, if you're much older than us, if you're about our age, if you're a tiny bit younger, the R&B you grew up on is better than the kids, the R&B that your kids, excuse me, are being exposed to now. Get some speakers, just blast in the house like they'll come around. I find it hard to believe. I think there's more stuff available, so it's probably harder to find. But music today is probably, with the fact that there's mm -mm. more of it available, there's probably mm -mm. more good music mm -mm. and probably more, more bad music. There's more auto-tuning. You don't know about the music. And still, now you know all the auto-tuning? You know who's auto-tuning? Who's auto-tuning? I just... T-Pain. That's probably T-Pain. They made a song in 20 years. All right. Maybe. Uh, 15 <laughs> you know what? i was gonna say he was on diddy's album but i was mixing up with the dream so maybe i don't know when the last time he made a song was but people are auto-tuning people oh the migos they're doing a lot of i mean they're not r&b but people are auto-tuning okay play music in your house play music in your car play like like kids are into i don't know how old your kids are but they're into like nostalgia now like they know about mariah carey if you like pop now that britney spears is amazing but like they know about like britney they know about these old things as like quirky nostalgic things Make them like use that, tap into that interest and get them to know about it. Move on to like Mary J. Blige, back through Jodeci, get them some Lauren Hill. Like, yes, well, you're right. Note, Bring them around to the good note, side, the 90s side. President 
Ashley Foxworth. President Ashley Foxworth has got this. She is definitely ready for her presidential campaign, making broad uh, assertions based on limited evidence. I'd vote for you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Ashley, for joining me. And thank you to all my great producers, Megan, Serafina, Brian, Kevin, and of course, co-host Charlie, Marcel, Louis, Jacques for being our guest today. And always, Podville, thank you for this wonderful studio. Beautiful. Because it has a picture of Jalen Hurts. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.